Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to read something that God said to me. I'm trying to think of, I don't know if I have it noted here. In 2008, Ed and I were in, you can be seated. In 2008, Ed and I were in um, Fredonia, New York, and we had, um, we'd been on a, in, on the road for a while and I was ready for the bed that night. And I went back and laid there and couldn't fall asleep for hours. And I said, God, are you try- is there something you have to say to me? And he began to talk to me and he said this, not every congregation will cooperate with the deeper things of the spirit, but those who hunger and thirst for it shall be filled. And that's why churches, and he was referring to those who were, if we could say this, the word and spirit churches, He said, that's why those of that flow haven't grown to the size the pastors would like. For my plan is that they be congregations that flow with the deeper things of God. And it's difficult to move a larger number of people into a deeper flow. God's not sentencing us to small congregations. Don't misunderstand that. So he said, so I have brought those who want to move further into the things of God into these churches. So don't be concerned about numbers. Rather be more interested in moving the congregation into a deeper place in God. It can't be done overnight, but there's more ahead for you. Then he said this, He said, that's the reason Dad Goodwin was never instructed to build a bigger building. Now, that refers back to a question I asked of Dad Hagen in 2003 when he was here. I said, I was listening to some services by Dad Goodwin, and they were were referring that they were bringing chairs into the aisles, you know, that there weren't enough chairs or wasn't enough seating, they would just fill up the aisles during every service with extra chairs and they'd just place them wherever they could. And I asked Dad Hagen, I said, why is it that Dad Goodwin didn't build a bigger building if the numbers of people were coming and they weren't able to accommodate them all? And Dad Hagen said two reasons. He said, number one, they were landlocked where they were. And he said, number two, he said, Dad Goodwin said God never told him to build. Now notice that because we think fill in the blank, more people just automatically build. But he said, God never told him to build. And this is what God said to me that night in Fredonia. He said, that is the reason dad Goodwin was never instructed to build a bigger building because I was more interested in the deeper places of, of the spirit that I had for that congregation to go. He said they could be, they could accomplish more by being in a deeper place of the spirit than they could by being in a larger building. They would have grown larger in numbers in a larger building, but they would have diminished in spiritual impact. It's not about just getting people together. 
You have to decide in ministers and people of congregations, they're part of congregations. Many of them are just looking for the biggest, latest, greatest. And so they, people start measuring wrong. And then God said to me that night, growth of numbers is not always enlargement. Depth is enlargement. Some have promoted numerical growth and sacrificed spiritual depth. Those who measure numbers, this is what God was saying that night. Those who measure numbers as success have no vision to see the depth of the spirit. Man doesn't see as God sees. Men who measure success or numbers are bound to the natural realm and will never move into the further places of the spirit. Keep your focus on the spirit realm and don't be distracted by the natural of numbers counting. Then the natural realm won't trip you up. How many times ministers and pastors have, if I could say this, um, questioned their call and questioned what they should be doing because of looking at how many were in in attendance? They're, They're tripped up by looking out here. The natural realm has tripped up so many of those that I have called and anointed They were so absorbed with measuring success by the natural realm that they missed the steps that would have led them into the further things of the spirit. The spirit realm of God is the place where all answers originate from. Those who've been tripped up by this natural realm have never made strides into the realm where their answers exist. Those sheep who need answers from the spirit realm for their health, for their lives, for their families, and other needs will never receive it in a church that's been tripped up by the natural realm of counting numbers. So you just be occupied with moving deeper into the things of the Spirit and leave the natural behind. Don't stay back with those who are in the realm of failure, the realm of natural counting. Rather, you just keep moving forward into the realm of answers, which is my realm, the Spirit realm. Amen. And that's why we're here. I said, that's why we're here. God is not saying he's sentencing us to small numbers. He's saying that many people are exchanging something for the natural. And it's no help to the people. Because people are coming together many times and practicing the flesh. And just because it's energized and lots of energy doesn't mean there's an anointing on it. And just because people are shouting and jumping and running and and dancing around, much of it is embedded in the flesh. And the sadness of it is they're being trained to call that the anointing. Excitement, zeal without knowledge. Zeal without knowledge. And so you have to get around the things of the Spirit, the flow of the Spirit, to recognize what is just excitement. And uh, 
what is genuinely the anointing, the, the move of the, the Holy Spirit moving in our midst. So don't, if I could say this to pastors, don't practice the flesh and get the people going in the flesh and thinking that now you're having a move. Amen. God said to me years ago, David, I didn't know that you would have taken a job, brother, because we should have, uh, we could have, <laughs> the, the congregation was left with me for 20 years. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> but I remember I, before we even moved out to California and before I even knew that I would be part of leading the praise and worship of the church, God spoke to me and he said, don't listen to music void of the anointing or you will ruin your spiritual ear to discern the anointing. Now notice that because just because something is popular or people, people's flesh like it, you know, that doesn't equal anointing. And just because people cry. Because people can have an affection for the Lord that is genuine and they will yeah. They will, in, in that affection for the Lord, weep, but that doesn't mean it's the anointing. They're weeping out of a place of affection. Praise the Lord. And there's a very vast difference because uh, the anointing is a prerequisite for answers and help. And you can't work it up. God said something to me. I so appreciate it. Years ago, I said to God, just in my own devotional life, my private life, I said, God, how come is it that sometimes it seems like I sense your presence more than other times? And I'm talking about in devotional, just my personal life. And I was implying you're not, that's exactly, I worded it kindly, but my thinking was, how come you're not as evident as you, I would like you to be? And he said, because some days you yield better than other days. In other words, it was back on me whether there was a flow of the anointing. It's always on us as to whether there's a flow of the anointing. Did we give him place? Did we facilitate? And then I so appreciate, and I'm just talking about in his presence, yes. daily life. Yes. And he said, my presence, you don't get into my presence by earning it. You get into my presence by turning. It's not by earning, it's by turning. It's not if I, re if I read my Bible long enough, then he'll reward me with his presence. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not diminishing his word. Everything we do is to come from that pure foundation of the word. But if we're not careful, we start measuring the anointing by how much we did. <laughs> 
And God said, it's not, my presence is not about earning. It's about turning. He said, no one has ever turned toward me and me not met them there. As a congregation, we have to learn that we all turn. It's not just the pulpit turning and it's not just the platform turning. We all turn. Meaning we turn away from what's pushing on us, pushing against us, what's what comes to rob us of the awareness of the greater one in us who wants to move among us. And dad Hagen would say in services at different times, he would say, I was operating at a 40% tonight of the prophet's office, or I was operating at 60%. The highest I ever heard him say, not the highest he ever said, but the highest I ever heard him say, he said was 70% of the potential of that office flowed tonight. And then he followed up with this and said, it only went to 70% because that's as far as the people would go with me. So his presence isn't just up to up here. It's up to all of us. And dad Hagen would make the statements when he would talk about, he said in the local churches are where really the miracles, the greatest miracles and healing should take place. Not in the big convention centers. He said they should be happening in the local churches. He said, because he said, it's very difficult. And he was talking about, he was doing camp meetings in the Tulsa convention center, thousands of people there, the buildings packed full. He said, it's very difficult to get that many people going the same direction because they come with different systems of believing, different systems of faith, different how they're in. And he said, and these pastors ought to be able with their congregations to get them all going the same direction. And this is what God is endeavoring to do, raising up strong local churches that flow with the word and the spirit that we're all turned the same direction. It's not about getting rid of things that are taking you out of the presence of God. It's about you turning from them, turning from them to him. It's all about turning. Hezekiah turned from a death sentence, not by God, but by his own disobedience. And all he did was he turned his face to the wall, which was signifying something in me is turning. Because God sent the prophet to say, set your house in order. You will surely die. God was not sentencing him to death. He was saying the road you're on, the direction you're going is going to arrive you at death. And he said, set your house in order. And he did set his house in order, just not his natural house, his spiritual house, his spirit. He set it in order and he turned toward the wall. And before the prophet even got off the property, God, the word of the Lord came, said, go back. Tell him I'm giving him 15 years. One turn added 15 years to his life in a moment. That's what services are to be a turning that we turn from those thoughts of fear to faith, that we turn from that, uh, that guilt and shame to righteousness. We turn, it's just a turning. It's not an earning. It's a turning. And we come together and we practice turning. But so much of the time we're taught to turn 
to the flesh and to the natural and get people hyped up and get them worked up. And this is not motivational speaking. We're not trying to motivate somebody into a place of victory. We're getting them to turn there to turn to the place they already occupy. Turn toward who's in you. Turn toward the greater one. Turn toward your attention toward the word. My son, attend to my words. Put your attention on my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. It's about turning. In 2013, October the 13th, I did not go into grief and, and sorrow for one reason. I turned. I turned the direction I wanted to go, not the direction that was evident. Your victory is just what you turn toward. Your help is what you turn toward. And in a service, a congregation, we've got to learn to turn toward Him giving him the place in the room. Hallelujah. So grateful. And I so appreciate what Brother David said in the sense of the importance of getting around it. When God told Dad Hagen, he said, you've been teaching faith. But he says, now others are teaching it. And he said, now I can assign you to something further. And that was go teach the, the, the move of the spirit. Because if, this, if it, the generation isn't taught, there's a whole generation that it'll be lost to. And I guarantee you, we did not go as far as Dad Hagen and the Holy Ghost endeavored to take us before he exited. Didn't go. There were people that kicked against that. But they were kicking against the the, the next thing God was doing. It's not in a revival. God doesn't do something drastically different. He does what he's always done, just more of it. It's not about finding a whole new message, a whole new direction, a whole... I was talking about it down in Georgetown that God had hid John the Baptist away. Put him in a wilderness because he put him in a place where he could hear God. And there was a day that God said, okay, now it's time to come out. And he came out and he proclaimed, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And when Jesus started his preaching ministry, it said he began preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. He didn't look for a new message. He just picked up with the message that John the Baptist was bringing. And then when he selected the 12 and empowered them, sent them out to lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. And he said, and as you go, preach, the kingdom of God is at hand. Same message, not a new message, just carrying it further, going further, going further in it. And that's what God was doing. And my husband was part of that. He helped us to go further in these things. And we've still got to go. We've still got to go. 
because the Father's harvest can only be reaped by the power of God, the anointing of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And we have to be in the classroom of the Spirit and recognizing it's not just up to the preacher to do everything. Every single one of us have a part to play in a service. And we all are to learn. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, where do you go from here beats me. I'm just pulling out notes acting like I know. On Tuesday night, this is the scripture that came to me when God said to me, in him we live and move and have our being. That, why? Because that's the best way to live. <laughs> that is, that is the, that's the highest flow of it. One translation said, we live in him, we walk in him, we move in him. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I won't keep you too terribly long tonight. First Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm just, I'm going to tag on to what Sister Pat was talking about this morning, you're called and anointed. That needs to mean something to you. I said, that needs to mean something. You are not put on here to pay, you were not put on this earth just to earn money and pay mortgage. Heaven authored a plan for your life and that needs to hold weight with us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And you can't even begin to come into that plan till you're born again. Jesus is the door into what you were born for. So it doesn't matter how someone didn't treat you right. God planned for you. He didn't plan the hard things people did to you. But he planned a life for you that gives you the best life. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18 but now hath God, look at these two words, now hath God set. God set the members, every one of them in the body. Whose body? The body of Christ as it hath pleased him. If he sets us somewhere and he's pleased to set us there, then we choose to be pleased to be there. We need to be smart enough. If he's pleased, I'm pleased. <laughs> what, look, look at this. God set. God set. You can say that about you. God set me in his body. God, God prepared and assigned and placed me in a place that's made for me, for me. Uh, 
Where he sets you, you're perfectly suited for. That's right. Meaning, because you know this in every family, there's such diverse personalities and temperaments. Wouldn't it be great if the first kid were like the second kid and the third kid and the fourth kid and you just learn it once? But every time a kid is born, you got to relearn the parenting thing. And why is it, why is it the diversity? They're perfectly suited for what they're born for and no one's born for the same thing. So you're perfectly suited. So wherever God sets you, you're perfectly suited to be there. So don't wish you were something different. All the things that make you, you. I'm not talking about the carnality side, but I am talking about the personal side. Very personal side. I'm not talking about carnal weaknesses. I'm talking about the personal side that makes up you. All of that is perfectly suited for where he set you. That's the place you fit. How do you know what church to go to? Because when you walk in, it just, you just seem to fit. You don't know why. You just seem to fit. It seems like home. While you're sitting there, you get answers and things land in you. Why? Because you fit there. And where you fit, value the fit. Because you don't fit everywhere. And when you find the fit, you better, baby, I'm not leaving my spot. You're not pushing me out of my spot. And the devil is always trying to entice and tip people out of where they fit. Because why? Because if he can get them out of where they fit, they don't fit anywhere else. And they struggle and they cause problems and they have problems and nothing works as it ought because the fit is off. Let me tell you something, young people. Come on. Just, you, you'll thank me later. <laughs> Maybe not tonight, but later. If you bring home somebody and nobody, they don't fit with nobody, guess what? They don't fit. If you got a force fit, and say, my family, they're just not nice. You know, you're just not accepting. If they don't fit, no matter how much you pound that puzzle piece into place, it don't fit. And and people will say, my family doesn't treat this person right, when the problem is there's no fit. It's not that they're unkind, there's no fit. And the problem is you trying to force a fit that does not exist. And if you don't fit for them, they don't fit for you. No one is assigned to go in and disrupt. They're assigned to come in and fit. I'm not talking about carnal, unsafe families. You know what I'm talking about. When a family is moving in the plan of God together, it's, there's a fit. That doesn't mean that their personality is like you. Because sometimes the family can't handle more like you. There's only room for your personality. 
and he puts us there because that's where we'll function best. That's where we'll be the greatest blessing, where we fit, where he sets us and where he's pleased that we be. Um, I want to read out of the New Living Translation, and I don't know what chapter this is. I didn't write it down. None of your business, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I've, I wrote verse 16, but I don't know what chapter. I don't even know what book. So just listen. The new translation, the living, the new living translation of verse 16. What verse 16? <laughs> Go find where it fits. <laughs> Don't make the pulpit do everything for you. Okay, wait, I think, wait, it might be 1 Corinthians 6. Pastor Craig, pull it up. 1 Corinthians 6, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 16. Look at that. Yes. What is? For what knowest thou a wife? No, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't find the right fit. See how, see how that works? Yeah. Oh, you went to the wrong place. That don't fit. <laughs> this is what happens when you copy and paste. <laughs> New Living Translation, verse 16. Let's just act like we know. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As, listen to this, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I believe, is that, is that Ephesians 4 verse 16? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Brother Daniel, you got that? Ephesians 4. Okay. But do you have it? So, yeah, no, that, that means read it for me. Read it for me. I want the King James Version. Yeah, him, let me hand the microphone so that we can get... I want King James, yes. Yes, give me the King James. Do verse 16, act like you know where we're at since I don't. Ephesians 4, verse 16. Is that where we're at? from whom the whole body fitly joins together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Look at that, every joint supplies. How the body hurts when it's something's out of joint. Yeah. Just naturally, right? Yeah. Okay, keep going. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Maketh increase of the body. We're responsible for that. We're responsible that things increase because we're where we should be. 
so let me read the New Living Translation again. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work. No one else can do your special work for you. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So whether you're doing your part is going to affect how somebody else is enabled to do their part. So it does matter if we're in church or not. It does matter if we're on our assigned place where the pastor appoints us and God anoints us. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. God said to me years ago when I was writing the book, God, the Revealer of Secrets, he said, make my people to know that long life is connected to my plan. See, many times we claim long life and we get long life scriptures and healing scriptures, but they, the long life is uninterrupted when you're where you fit. When every member of the body is occupying and functioning, occupying and functioning, you can have a limb that is in place and it not be functioning. Just showing up at church is not the function. When every member of the body is occupying and functioning in the place where they fit, they bring a supply to that body. But they will also receive a supply. So much of the time we come to church and we have so many needs. Well, we should come. And so we get need-minded. Now I need this, I need this, I need this. And we never make the transition. I have a supply to bring to this body. Receive your need met, but bring your supply. I want to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, you might just want to take note of this because it's going to read different. This is verse 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17. I, I might have that written down wrong. <laughs> the Nor- this, this is the Norley translation. Listen to this. It said, each one should fill the place that God has assigned to him which the Lord has, to which the Lord has called him. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Now listen, this is Paul writing. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Notice this, you had to be at church to hear the rule. You can't fill your place and not have a church. Amen. That's good. Praise the Lord. I cannot overemphasize how important it is, is what Sister Pat was saying. There is a place God has called you and you are anointed for that place. Be in your place. It is a matter of life and death that we're where God tells us to be, where he directs us. It is a matter of life and death. 
Um, the word says about David, he was a man after God's own heart. We quote that. We say, I want to be someone after God's own heart. Well, what does it mean that you're someone after God's own heart? It means what's on God's heart is what you put on your heart. What's important to God is what you make important to you. That, that's what it means to have a heart after God. And uh, we choose what is important to God is the body of Christ. Listen, Jesus came and gave his job description when he started his earthly ministry. The spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he goes on and lists the job description of that anointing. But then he gave his nexus. He was exiting the earth after his earthly ministry. He gave the next thing that he'd be doing in the age to come. And that is, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against. That's what he's doing now. That's what he's doing now. You know what? You know what? That's what's on his heart. That's what he's doing. That means that's what we put on our heart. What's building the church, building the church, building the body of Christ. Amen. What a privilege that we have a place assigned, anointed, appointed for us to occupy. That means I don't get tired being in my place. Why do people get tired? They think wrong about their place. Glad to be here. Glad to be here doing my place. And we bring increase to the body of Christ. I said, we bring increase to the body of Christ. Um, one of my favorite books of Dad Hagen's is I Believe in Visions. One of my favorite chapters in the book is called The Hospital Visitor. I go back to, in that chapter, Dad Hagen was preaching at a certain location and he had fallen and dislocated his elbow. Had to be in the hospital. They had to knock him out to put muscles and things back in place. And while he's in the hospital, they're just having there for observation. And he hears footsteps coming down the hallway. He looks up expecting to see a nurse walk in, but instead it's Jesus. He pulls up a chair next to his bed and sits and talks to him for an hour and a half. And listen to, this is the wording that was taken out of the book. Brother Hagen noted this. He said, in order to get my, well, let me preface it with this. Jesus said, I did not cause this accident. He said, uh, but you better be glad I allowed it. So I could get your attention because the way you were going, you would be dead by the time you're 55. What was it? He was getting out of his place. That is, he was putting the teaching ministry ahead of the prophet's office. So he was getting things out of place. And it's not just out of place, it's out of emphasis even. Um, I pastored here for 25 years. When we had our 20th year celebration that this church was 20 years old, I'm not really one that is, um, I'm not one to really note dates and 
things like that. You know, I don't care if you're home for my birthday or not. I'd say to my husband, just send me money. I just... <laughs> that spins every day. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> and so um, I, I, I'm not sentimental, too sentimental about things like that. So on the 20th, I didn't plan to really do anything. And God spoke to me and said, I want you to have a celebration for your 20th. And I said, really? Yes, I want you to have a celebration for your 20th. I didn't know that within a short time, Ed would be in heaven. And we got to celebrate that as a church family, the 20th together. We came up to the 25th. And God said, I want you to have a celebration for the 25th. And I said, really? He said, yes. The night before, God said, the reason I wanted to do that is it marks the end of your pastorate. Now you're going into the next thing that I have for you. So see, there's changes. That when God changes a season of your life to stay in place, you've got to hear that change. And you can't get embedded and immovable. I love something John Osteen said. He said, I keep a suitcase packed and in the closet all the time because I want to show God I'm ready if he says do something else. It wasn't because he was unsettled. He, did, he wanted to be uh, ready. Yes. And so I started, of course, the kids had been helping me. Morgan and Stephen and Grant had been helping with the church, you know, for five years even before that. So it was not a hard transition. It was the, the, me and then the kids, and then we were blending in sharing services. There was a no hard stop and start. There was a flow to it. And so in traveling, God spoke to me and I've traveled for years, but now I'm just traveling primarily. And so God said to me, he said, you're missing it. And I said, in what way? And he said, you're feeding like a pastor. You're feeding your own personal devotional life like a pastor, so you're still teaching like a pastor. Because how you feed yourself is how you're going to minister. He said, feed in line with the visions you've had. The visions I had that he has shown me, even starting over 30 years ago, was healing crusades, miracle crusades. That's what I would see. I would see the locations and the different things happening in the services. So he said, so start feeding that way. Because he said, if you don't feed that way, although I planned it, you won't arrive until you prepare yourself that direction. What am I saying to you? God, even though, uh, even though I'm still in the ministry, the emphasis was changing for me. But even so for you, Whatever God's called you to, you have to be there in a skilled capacity. It's not just show up any old way. Show up and learn. Pay attention to someone who has a like, a like assignment as what God has put on you. Study it. Study them. How do they do it? Watch them. I'm talking about ones who do it right. 
And so God said to me, I want you studying the faith generals of the past who had miracles. You study that. And then, of course, we would get in Dad Hagen's services. We would get in Dr. Sumrall's services. We would get around those men who had that like anointing, that like call, that like place. You do the same thing. Because to be around, to be skillful, you have to get around somebody who knows it. So when you come to church, don't just come to arrive. Come to see how to better occupy the place God has set you in. For example, a, a large, very large ministry. They started, um, they had a building program they were doing. And so Ed and I had gone to preach for them and they were not in their new building yet. And so the pastor said, let us give you a tour. We walked in and I, I mean, it it seated, you know, like 5,500 people. So you can imagine how large the childcare departments were just massive. So he, he walked us through and it was really, um, the walls were up, but it was still quite a shell of a building. And so nothing was really finished in the building, except when we went to the children's department and we walked into the children's wing. It was a whole end of the building. It was completely done, completely furnished, all the equipment. There were cribs stacked. They had them like boxes stacked against the walls, all the latest, greatest, newest equipment. And I walked in there and go, oh my goodness, look at what has been done here. And he said, the woman who is head of our children's ministry came to me when we started the building program and said, pastor, I will not come into you and ask you for money for our department. Our department will believe for our own money coming into this department. We will not come to the pastor and say, how much money do we have to equip it? She said, God put us in this place and I have faith for the place he put me. Yes, amen. The place you occupy, you are to occupy by faith. Meaning this, we don't wait for somebody to hand us what we need. We believe God for what what we need. And she said, we will do our own believing. And she got together all the the children's workers and they put a faith list together and they started calling that in and they started sowing themselves and they asked God for divine ideas. What were they doing? They weren't just occupying it physically. They were occupying it spiritually. God has called you and anointed you to not just show up with your body, but to show up with your faith. And I think many times we, we hinder and hold back by facilitating the members in the body by just saying, just show up and do this instead of saying, show up with your faith and believe for this. We need to assign, you need to assign your faith to your department and say, this department's coming up. I'm not saying doing something apart from the pastor's directive or his vision. I'm not talking about taking it over. You're not, you're not the head honcho. You're just there to hear the vision and say, we will take that vision in this department and fulfill the pastor's vision that God's given 
we will bring our faith to it. So when Sister Pat talks so beautifully and, and, and skillfully to us that we are called and we are anointed, that is in every level and every demand that is, that is called for with the place we occupy. Amen. Parking lot attendants, those who greet you and help park you, when you're building a building, they should get together and say, we'll believe for the parking lot cost of the new building. Why? Because if you're called and set there, you're going to have faith for that like an usher won't. Every part of a new building, because listen, we need buildings. For this harvest, we need buildings. And it's not just the pastor believing God and the staff. If you are called and set in a place in that body, you have, God has also given you faith for that department, faith for that wing of the building, faith for that area of the property. And you say, I will bring my faith. And every other department of that building was unfinished, but hers was finished. And it was a testimony. <laughs> Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Your faith is not just for your house payment. It's for God's house. And what an honor. Ed used to say, you heard him preach it. If the church needs carpet, my house needs carpet, guess who gets the carpet? The church gets the carpet first. But I guarantee you, you help the church get what they need. You won't have to wait for, for long for what your home needs to show up. Because when you're in your place where you fit and you're where God called you and God set you and God anointed you, you have faith for that place and that anointing. Amen. Then God will visit your house. But going back to Dad Hagen's book that I believe in visions, when Jesus walked in and had said this to him, he said, uh, because he said, I did not cause this, but I permitted it. And he said, you better be glad because if you'd have continued the way you were going, you'd have been dead by the time you're 55. Then this is what Brother Hagin said. In order to get my attention and to bring about my complete submission and obedience to his perfect will, God had allowed this Jesus said to me, it is my perfect will that men and women enjoy divine healing and divine health, but many of them are like you and are only living in my permissive will. And for that reason, difficulties have been permitted to come their way. When hard times come and something is out of place, use it as a time to come into complete submission. I completely submit because as God takes us further, things that we don't need have to drop off. Think, it, when, when you're at this one level, one phase of your life in ministry, there are certain things that are permitted, but you go further and there are certain things that aren't going to help you in this further place. And they have to be dropped off. Not, it's, not a, it's not a punishment. It's not a stripping away. It's a 
stepping into something further and this other will not accelerate you in that place. It'll hold you back. So part of knowing where you're called and anointed for, you also have to know as God promotes you further and further that you have to let certain things go so you can step into further things. Amen. Yeah. Praise the Lord. So Dad Hagen again, in order to get my attention and to bring about my complete submission and obedience to his perfect will, God allowed this in my life. I don't know about you, but I want to go. I want, I want to finish it. I want to finish all God has. Jesus said, my meat, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Look at this and to finish and to finish his work. To finish, there are things that have to be adjusted along the course of the race. Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Some God is endeavors to bring them further, but it's beyond what their flesh is comfortable with. So they step back from obeying. They don't want to get out of that place where they're used to. My husband. And I want to say this before I go any further. My husband said, when God, you know, God has a place for you to occupy. He said, God will make available to you those who will help train you in that. But he said, but it's your responsibility to get where you can be trained. You can't, as, as Sister Pat was saying to us, you can't decide, I don't want to be in this place. I want to be in that place. You know, if you're hired in a certain, in a company and let's say they hire you and they put you in the shipping department and you say, I don't want to be in the shipping department. I want to be in the financial department. But if you're hired for the shipping department and you don't learn the shipping department and every day you show up in the financial department and you're not hired for there and you're not qualified for there, they will fire you because you're not showing up where they assigned you. <laughs> and we, we wonder why are things not working right in my life? Because you can't just show up in any department of your choosing. Where did God set you? Um, I said it the other night, it's dangerous to complain against your call. To find fault. Wish I didn't have to do it. Um, I heard a testimony so precious. You ever heard of Ron and um, Phil and Fern Halverson? Phil and Fern Halverson, precious, precious people. After Brother Phil went to heaven, people were still inviting Fern to come and minister because the two of them would minister together. They would teach on prayer. Then they would lead the congregations in praying and rich, rich times. But after Phil went to be home, went home to be with the Lord, people would still invite Fern. And I, I was listening to her give her testimony one time about this event that she had been invited to preach and she was there at a, she had traveled there to minister for several days after 
toward, after she had done several meetings there, she was doing her last meeting and she became ill during the meeting. And she had to leave the platform and then she'd come back after a little bit and then she had to get on the plane and fly home and she was ill on the plane. And she said to God, she said, God, what is going on here with this? And he said, number one, he said, you thought that because your husband left, something of your ministry left. And he said, you were doing the work, but on the inside of you, you thought wrong about it. You thought you weren't as valuable now. You aren't as needed now because he's not here. But he, so you're not occupying the place I set you. You're diminishing your value in that place. And see, it started showing up in her body. When things get off course, don't just keep throwing confessions at it. Find out why. Find out why. Amen. Um, And then, of course, you've heard me talk about this, but it's critical for us. When Ed was in the 90s, out here in California, we had traveled to the Anaheim area to hold just a couple of days meeting of his own in a, uh, it, it was a theater type building. And Ed preached the first night. And then the second night he said, I, I, he, he just struggled to know what direction to go with the service. And so he got up and he had a musicians there and he had them to sing and they'd sing. And he'd have them do another song and they'd do another song. And they did like seven or eight songs. And Ed kept pointing, do another song. And he says, I'm out of songs. I didn't bring any more with me. And so then Ed called up this little organ player gal. And she got on the organ. And as she did, the Leslie, where the speaker that's next to the organ, uh, she was playing and just a cloud began to roll out. And Ed saw it. And he said that cloud got thicker and thicker. And then he said, then he saw a leg just step out of the cloud like this. And Jesus stepped out and stood in front of him. And then he said, fire shot out of his eyes. And he said, you know, Brother Hagen would see Jesus and say, he saw his eyes like pools of liquid love. (laughs) He said, I didn't see liquid love. He said, fire bolts shot out of his eyes at me and said, you're not being skillful with the healing anointing. Now see, he's in the ministry. He's preaching, he's traveling. But how we occupy our place matters. With skill. And then he went back into that, that cloud went, he stepped back into the cloud, then that cloud went back into the organ and Ed was left there. And he says, still didn't know what to preach. <laughs> I remember that night because Ed was just, dumbfounded. And we were driving home and he said, I don't know what he's talking about. I said, well, I know. At least I know a little bit. And then, you know, I didn't get eyes of liquid love in that either. He said, what are you talking about? I said, 
I would say it's been at least six years since I've seen you lay hands on the sick. He goes, that's not true. I said, it's true. We want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We don't just want to be faithful. We want to be skillful. We want to be skillful with it. There's a place God has for each and every one of us. And in this last days, the place of the local church is in the word and the spirit. And to be out of place and not be in the flow of what God is doing and what God is emphasizing is dangerous. It's not optional. If that's what he's doing, I don't want to dry up. I want to be right in the middle of what he's doing. And it's not just about watching the pastor do it. It's the congregation stepping into their place because we all have a place in the moving of a service. As Pastor Lachetic says, every service God has a part, the preacher has the part, and a congregation has the part. And we've got to learn our part. Amen. Stand with me to your feet tonight. Father, we thank you. We are so grateful that we have a place that you have set for each and every one of us to be. And you've anointed us to be in that place. We take our place and we take our place in what the body of Christ is doing, but we also take our place in what you're doing in a service. We are so, so grateful. We are so, so grateful. Just lift up your hands and worship the Lord tonight. We worship you. We glorify you. We magnify you. We worship you, Father. Lift up your voice to him tonight. We glorify. We magnify you. We magnify you, Father. We glorify you. We glorify you. We glorify you. We thank you, Father. Just lift up your voice and let's just worship him in the spirit. Manja da bokoya Manja ria da bokoya de besikikiye Manja ria da bokokokoya de besikikiye Masa tatataya da bosochikikikiye Manja ria da bokokokoya Mashtukoriya da bakaryasa kakakaye 
Let's sing something, David. Let's sing something. Whatever you want to do. Yeah, Mashtakaka Yadabasa. Let there be glory and honor. God gives them a heavenly vision. Every single one of you for your lives, there's a heavenly vision. When it comes to a local church, that vision is so large that it can't be fulfilled with one generation. He expects the next generation to not go find a different vision, but to be faithful obedient to the heavenly vision to stay in that. An interviewer asked me, how did you handle knowing what to do after your husband left? I said, because he set us on the right course when he was here. We just stay the course. We don't have to go find something. 
that's part of being set in your place. What, what is the heavenly vision of the pastor God's put you under? What is the heavenly vision for your own life? Train your children in that and carry that on. I'm going to read to you out of Genesis 17. This is what God said to Abraham. He said, this is Genesis 17, starting with verse four. He said, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of many nations. N nor shall your name any longer be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. Now listen to this. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you yes. throughout their generations for an everlasting solemn pledge to be a God to you and to your posterity after you. Yes. So notice God didn't just have Abraham in mind. With every heavenly vision that God gives a pastor, he doesn't just have that pastor in mind. And if we'll not leave our place, what's that place? With the heavenly vision, the heavenly vision that God's given us. And uh, that's what this family's gonna do. Yeah. I said, this family's gonna do that. Yes. We don't have to go rewrite, reauthor, yeah. anything Amen. else. Amen. We just stay with the heavenly vision because the heavenly vision is so large, one man's life cannot fulfill it. Yeah. It just is to carry on and to carry on and just keep going further, Amen. keep going further. So in looking to what to do now, those of you who are children of pastors, you help your, your parents in the ministry, you serve alongside them, I want you to come up if you would. The next generation, could I put it that way? The next generation of the current pastor, minister, the next generation, you come up here if you would. Hallelujah. Because it matters what you do. Yes. I said it matters what you do. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. 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 Morgan, I want you to lay hands on him. Is Stephen here? Yes. Is Stephen here? Okay. Hallelujah.
glorify you. We magnify you. Father, we are so grateful for the place that you have set us and we purpose that that's the place that delights us, that thrills us, that fulfills us, that satisfies us. And we're so thankful. We're so thankful for your empowering, for that we occupy that place with great fruit, honoring you, glorifying you and magnifying you. And Father, if there's anybody here in this place and they say, you know, Pastor Nancy, I'm not sure of my place. Well, you can. You can be sure of it. Talk to him. Spend time with him, hearing and recognizing what he has for you. And the thing is, you don't have to occupy that place exactly like somebody else did it. Just do it the way God has anointed you for it. All these next generation, you don't have to be like your parent, but you can fulfill that heavenly vision with the way God has assigned and empowered and equipped you. Amen. And it's an honor. I said it's an honor. It's an honor. Weren't you blessed to hear Brother David talk about all the... Oh, yes. What is that? People just living on course. That we want a testimony that we're able to say when Paul was able to point to Timothy and said, you got that same kind of course. That grand, that faith that was first in your grandmama, Lois, then it went to Eunice, and now it's in you. A momentum of generations moving with God. And Lois was the beginner of it all. You may be the beginner of it all, and there might not be anybody saved in your, in your lineage. You might not be able to stand and say like David gave the lineage, but you can be the lowest of your family, the beginner of it all. And what an honor to be a beginner of something. And you may say, well, you know, I've just been raised in this household. Well, Eunice didn't treat it like a common thing. She stewarded what her mama put in her. How do we know that? Because she passed it to Timothy. And we're still talking about him because Lois was a beginner. And because Eunice honored it and didn't treat it as something insignificant just because she grew up in it. She didn't treat it as common. She said, hey, this is the way to live. And she saw it in her mama and she passed it to her son and we're still being blessed by people passing it to the next generation. We're still being blessed by it. Be that family. Whether you're the beginner, whether you're the steward that passes it on, or you're the one that ends up in public ministry like Timothy, serving along one of the greatest faith men of our our heritage. Amen. What an honor. You have a place in the body. You're anointed for it. Be thrilled with it. Choose to be thrilled with it. Amen. And never treat any place as unimportant. David, who had sat as a king, said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. That's right. 
in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. It's not about the place you occupy. It's about how you occupy it. Amen. And anything we get to do for God is great. It's an honor. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.